this is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. Welcome back, fellow designers, educators, uh, and um, listeners. Uh, we've got a really special guest today. She is actually one of the teachers and head of e-learning at St. John's Anglican College. Um, I'm going to begin with a little bit of a background, but it's going to sound a li- it's going to sound very impressive. She's actually an international educator. She's worked and taught in the U.S., Fiji, Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and now in Australia. She's a leader in innovation, problem solving, and future thinking giving ownership to our future generation and and inspiring them to um, take lead in and accountability for their own work. She's in the professional advisory board um, as an ICT educator for the Australian Computer Society. And as of this week, she is now on an additional addition to the QSide board. Um, So I want to make her feel welcome. Sharon Singh from St. John's Anglican. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Rishan. Can you just start off with uh, with giving us a little bit of a background of yourself? You've already said so much. (laughs) I think, yes, um, I think one of the um, most uh, enriching and fulfilling things for me has been working in education around the world and uh, working in uh, curriculums that are, you know, so different. I worked with the IGCSE, you know, in in, uh, the British curriculum Mm -hmm. from Cambridge uh, the International Baccalaureate, the IB, yeah. uh, that also originated from uh, from England. And then we have a look at uh, the um, Australian curriculum and then the American curriculum, the AP. So all of that has really enriched me in the way I look at uh, how the, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, education, the pedagogies align with what we want the students to gain, yeah. uh, you know, in the teaching and learning field. So, yes, uh, I think the, um, the uh, roaming around or whatever you call it from country to country yeah. uh, has been uh, very, very fulfilling for me. Yeah. Um, my focus and, uh, you know, the area of focus and the leadership area has been mainly in the computer sciences and digital technologies. Um, and also looking at uh, the uh, uh, the areas where students can uh, you know develop and grow in in terms of their thinking and especially in the area of computational thinking mm-hmm. design thinking and um, systems thinking yeah. which lends to the subject area that I come from yeah. but uh, I think I am very biased and I think it's important in every discipline not just in my you know, computer area or IT area, digital technologies area, I think these apply in no matter what discipline you are in. It's the type of thinking that yep. we are producing uh, while we are uh, you know, working with any problems that we are about to solve, any needs that we are addressing. So, yes, so I think, yes, it's, it's, it's quite, it can sound daunting, but I don't think it is daunting. And I think, to tell you the truth, it's like everyone does it they just don't recognize that they do. They don't realize that they are actually doing that. Yeah. What we are doing is kind of uh, decomposing it, breaking it down and just showing them, hey, this, yeah. is, this is what is yeah. being done. Yeah. And this is why I've, one of the things that I've noticed literally walking into your school in the first couple of minutes was the relationship that you have with your students. It's, um, I was lucky enough to have that kind of a relationship with, uh, with Phil Reed from Craigslee. I think he's in a different school at the moment. But um, I, I found that same connection and in a mass mass way with all your students and they they're in their learning and doing their own projects during lunchtime and wanting to grow and do things was it was that even part of their assessment or was that a passion project <laughs> i think it's it's a what your term i'll use your term passion it's a passion project yeah see we have uh, students working on their projects and they do come at lunchtimes morning tea after school uh, one of the you know i'm very blessed with the design center that i have been able to put in place you know i've been uh, you know given the privilege to design and uh, and um, implement over here with all the resources that I have. So yes, I'm very blessed in that sense. But also the students come and uh, be open with them. 
letting them just make some mistakes, I think, is very yep. important. One of the things I've learned, and I'm 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 very strong in the uh, philosophy of the International Baccalaureate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it focuses on the higher order thinking skills. Uh, you know, huge uh, a huge amount, and um, I find letting the students solve the problem themselves mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's something I enjoy watching. Yeah. You know, it's just watching them uh, find the answers themselves. They'll come ask questions, but I will facilitate mm-hmm. getting to the answer. I think that's I will the key not, word. Yes, yeah. yes. And I will not tell them the answer. And I'll, I think one of the things I do love about being, you know, IB at St. John's uh, or, uh, you know, St. John's being able to uh, offer the IB here is to um, always say, hey, you are an IB student. This is how you need to think. Yeah. So I won't tell you the answer. Go look for the answer. Yeah. Once you find it, come and discuss with me. Let's see whether we're on the same page with this. Yeah. Let's see what you have come with, which could may not be the general answer, but could be correct as well. Yeah. So I think just letting them come up with ideas. They come and you know, do 3D printing. Yesterday I had uh, this whole heap of like 25 students in the afternoon after school from 3.30 to 4.30. And they were doing all sorts of things all over this place. You had spheros running around here, 3D printing going on, VR over there, playing games, setting up environments using Minecraft. Uh, You know, just seeing these students doing this, it was not a project that they were doing. They were just having fun. So devoting that time in the afternoon. Yesterday, this group of students were working on this monitor. They were, uh, you know, playing uh, uh, using... uh, the VR goggles, the mm-hmm. HTC Vive, and they were playing games. And I said, you know, next week, put it up on the on the uh, smart TV. Mm-hmm. So, and they said, one of the kids quickly said, yeah, that's what I do at home. I've got this TV and I connect this to the TV. And I said, well, why don't you do it in school? Do it in your other subjects. Do mm-hmm. it in your classroom. Yeah. When your teacher doesn't know, you show the teacher. Yeah. And you say, this is what we do in DJ Club. This is what I do at home. Tell, you know, show the teacher. One, you will reduce the, uh, you know, angst that the teacher has in terms of... Uh, having to know you know, everything. Having to know everything. Yeah. Exactly. And they then find a go-to person in the class. Yeah. And secondly... The student feels so good about themselves being able to help, and that helps them in their learning process. They feel so good. So I think I I really love working with the younger ones too and also to encourage them so that in three, four years' time, they are the ones who are leading. So I'm looking long-term. I think it's important for educators to think long-term and not forget the young ones coming up because the lower you get, the more you train them. By the time they hit grade 9, grade 10, you know, you've already got this group of kids who mm. know your job is done. Yeah. They can take over and do the, you know, yeah. and you are just walking around and, uh, you know. You're facilitating. You, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, facilitating that part of their, one, they're learning, two, they're having fun. Yeah. And they do little projects. We would do competitions. So they'll be taking part in competitions. So we form different groups and, uh, uh, yeah, I'm very approachable. I'm I'm strict as well. They mm-hmm. know that. I'm mm-hmm. firm. Mm-hmm. I believe in being firm and fair and also having fun. That's the three Fs I follow, yeah. right? So I say to them, have fun. I'm very fair. Do you think I'm fair? And they'll tell me, yes, Mr. Singh, you're strict. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, they do not hesitate in coming and talk. They know that they... What they'll get from me is, is uh, you know, advantages for them. Yeah, that's brilliant. And one of the things I want to go back to something you mentioned was the, uh, was allowing them to make mistakes. And for that to happen, they actually need to feel safe, mm. firstly. And I have my own methodologies at, um, at, at a tertiary level, but at a high school level, um, how, do you, how do you facilitate a safe space for them to be okay with making mistakes? Yes, I think... Uh, Like I said before, I am quite blessed, like, you know, with the resources that I have. And uh, oh, by the way, actually, sorry to interrupt. I, I, for the listeners, I need to describe a little bit about what um, what we're sitting in right now. There's there's a STEM building in St John's Anglican College, and I'm literally sitting in Sharon's office. But to the right of me, there's a green screen with a podcast recording station, um, a vlogging stations, and then behind me, there's a whole bunch of open open spaces. 
open spaces for collaboration, group activity. Then there's 3D printers, laser cutters, VR goggles, and a, and a maker space with workshop e- equipment. It's all there in one floor. And I, and I believe you had something to do with leading and designing that space as well. <laughs> yes, it, it was, yes. Uh, we had normal traditional classrooms when I joined St. John's. Yeah. And uh, what I did was uh, uh, some of the, I think uh, I'll... I'll uh, vision was to have a space where we could uh, have this collaborative uh, learning and making this facilitating easy for the you know for the staff and also for the for the students yeah. so um, i requested uh, to actually go to high tech high in san diego and wow. uh, the school sent me yeah. so i went and spent a few a uh, few days at the different campuses there to see how they do it so uh, it was an eye opener it's an amazing amazing place to visit so they are, they do project based learning. So and everything is uh, very uh, uh, transparent. Mm-hmm. So you can look inside the classroom. You can look outside. So it's all yep. glass. Yeah. You know, uh, which is very. Uh, it can be quite daunting for teachers if you take the walls away mm-hmm. or you uh, have people looking inside when they're teaching. So I think one of the biggest um, hurdles that we have to cross is to actually get the teachers on board. Uh, it's a new way of, uh, you know, teaching for the for the teachers. Yeah. But it it has been so positive in this environment. Teachers have taken to it, and uh, it has been of no problems here. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in what we have been doing, so the space is uh, actually quite uh, conducive to the learning that's going on. The maker space is, uh, you know, just beautiful. We are able to use uh, little beads, we do uh, Arduinos and mm. Raspberry Pis. They're building things, bridge building. We have the uh, DET group in here as well. Yeah. Then we have, not every child is, uh, you know, does programming, uh, coding, and not every child likes it. Yeah. So we also have the other side, you know, the uh, other side of technology that we do. So we have... Uh, uh, photography and filming and uh, sound recording. Yeah. Uh, so they have a lot of fun. It basically yeah. facilitates a space that even if you're left brain or right brain or a bit of both, yes. you've got something to go on. And so I think you've you've done an incredible job here. But thank you. <laughs> a lot of the schools obviously have a have a lot more budget constraint, and I think you are lucky in that fact here. And which is why I think um, I want to be able to f- um, for others teachers in schools to understand what's actually available, what can be possible, mm. even as a school here in Australia but um, I think we went off on a little bit of a tangent yes we did (laughs) (laughs) that's my apologies but um, bringing back to that facilitation of a safe space space, yeah um, how how do you actually engage that yes I think for a child to feel safe in an environment is the people that they are working with Mm -hmm. I think uh, for me I would always I think one of the uh, Things that influence me to be really, you know, provide that uh, that environment of like I feel safe, I feel free, I feel I can do things that I want to do here, is being a parent myself. You know, as a parent, uh, what I did with my children, I also practice here. You yeah. know, so every child is like you know your own child, yeah. and you want the child to be safe. Uh, we have uh, in the technical aspects of it, like for instance, I, we, you know, I do drone lessons with the students. I want the children to be safe. So it's very clear to get that in the instructions are 3D printing. They're dealing with heat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they don't burn themselves. So you, you have to provide these clear guidelines, mm-hmm. your expectations, your clear guidelines yep. and being fair. Remember that one of the Fs that yep. I mentioned, of course. being fair, if one child does something wrong, and another one does something wrong. They, you're consistent in yep. the in the uh, you know whatever um, consequences that they have for mm-hmm. that uh, behavior. So I think the the children then see okay yes Mrs Singh is fair. I'm able to do this. Yesterday afternoon I had these kids. They were printing. They were 3D printing. There's a grade seven children, and they were 3D printing. So they put the hand inside. They want to take the filament off the nozzle, and the nozzle is quite hot. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave them a piece of cloth and I said, you need to make sure that I'm standing here 
uh, when you are doing this. I do not want you to be, you know, at that at that point in time, they're little kids and I needed to be there with them. So cool. let me know. I'll come there, but you do it. Yeah. So I let them do it. So I gave them the cloth and I said, okay, you can clean it. Keep your skin away. Put a glove on mm-hmm. and then you put, you clean clean it. So he did that. Today, they, the same kids came today and they wanted to print. So I let them print. That was at morning tea time because it takes a few hours. Mm-hmm. They're back at lunchtime checking and they loved it. But... Here's the thing. We talked about problem solving before. Mm-hmm. So had the, they had a few pieces, about eight pieces on it. So one piece was long, like a rectangular shape, laying flat on the on the on the uh, on the uh, uh, plate. Mm-hmm. But when they're printing it, it wouldn't print. So I said, okay, go and solve it. See what's the problem. Then come and tell me what you think would work. So they went, had a look at their model. They came back, and they said to me, "Oh, Miss, I think we're going to put it up straight, so it's vertical." That way we can have a support at the bottom. And so the because the boy said to me, when it's sitting, uh, you know, sitting flat on the on the surface, the support fills in. How are we going to take it out? I said, very good. You're thinking. Excellent. Yeah. So now go and, you know, find it. Re- so they came back and they said, okay, we'll, we'll just stand it vertically, but we'll just have the support at the bottom. And I said, brilliant. Let's test it out then. So they went and printed. Today they printed. They were jumping and screaming because they had it right. <laughs> Perfect. So this is, you know, like, so they felt that they could work here. They know they can, they know what the guidelines are, what mm-hmm. the rules are. I think making those expectations clear lends itself to a safe environment. Yeah. Being there for them when they are, you know, working in that space. Good supervision is important. We need to have adult supervision with these uh, young kids. It's yep. important. But at the same time, training other senior kids to work with them too is mm-hmm. also, I find, very good. So, you know, we have this this particular environment that I have, that I work in, is conducive. We'll have a class of grade 12s in this space. And then just next year, we'll have a class of grade 7s and, or 8s. So they're able to intermingle and talk to one another. And the teachers have now come around that. The teacher comes and talks to my kids. I go and talk to their kids. So it's such a beautiful... Yet we have two separate classes we're doing. So I think going back to safety, it's important that we do provide a safe environment and, you know, physically, but also they need to feel safe emotionally and mentally. Correct. And I think being approachable, uh, knowing that you're letting them do things like they were worried about the filament, we know, oh, we tested this one. I said, don't worry about the filament. You just print. Let's see. I'm happy for you to print. That don't worry about the filament. I'll provide. I have some. I'll provide that for you. But just test it out and see how you go. They were worried. Oh, we've done so much support in there. It's wasted. I said, don't worry. That's that's part and parcel of learning. We will always make mistakes. Yeah. But. When we get the right answer, we won't make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that's how the students learn, I think. But, yeah, letting them make the mistakes, even when they're filming, we let them make mistakes. And then I'll say, remember, time is a big factor. So you have to be very realistic. Mm-hmm. You make a mistake, you'll have to redo the whole thing. So you have to do it in little chunks. You know, so think I think... before you do yes, things. And yeah. 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 So I think going back to what I talked about, the higher order thinking skills mm-hmm. is very important. Every class, I think in every subject area, yeah. every teacher, I start every term with my first lesson in every class I teach is on higher order thinking skills. And this is exactly what paves the path towards innovation and, yes. and that leaders in thinking and whether, whatever the subject context might, context might be. Yes. So that's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I think you're learning the real lucky people are your students in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think the students are very brilliant. I think the kids here are amazing. They just need to be directed in mm-hmm. the right way. And like I said before, it's all about facilitating rather than standing in front and lecturing to them, yeah. letting them go in there, dip in there, do the thing. If they make a mistake, hey, work with them on it and just move, you know, direct them to get out of that mistake yeah. and then go back, revisit it yeah. and to see, hey, this is what happened. Evaluate it and, uh, you know, really think about, hey, where did it go wrong? So that gives accountability and ownership for the student. Yes. This kid was printing uh, these uh, SD cards he wanted to put. So he was printing a box. Mm-hmm. However, when he printed one of the students, he printed it out. It 3D printed. It was a, a bronze one, a, you know, a copper bronze color. So he put the, and I said, okay, let's test it out. I said, what is this? He said that, because I didn't even know what he was printing, right? So he, so he said to me, what, uh, so I said to him, what is it? He said, uh, 
to put the uh, Nintendo SD uh, mm-hmm. SD cards or something. Yeah. So we tested. So I thought he meant this SD card. So I put the SD card in, and it was small. So the SD card was sitting on top. It should fit inside. And yep. I said, oh, your size is wrong. So maybe you need to... So what do you think you should do? Should you lengthen it or broaden it? Mm-hmm. And said, I think we have to do both. So I said, well, tomorrow, come and print it mm-hmm. and fit, you know, fit... So he was thinking, he was talking about how he can do it. He's telling me on the table, this is what I need to do. I'm going to go look at my model and do this. Yeah. That keeps them thinking. So exactly. that's the best part. That's perfect. And, and, and I want to actually take a second here to understand what... How, what the word facilitation means because the way I approach facilitation at a tertiary level when when I'm dealing with design students it's a little different to how the context is in in a, in a high school setting um, in when I've got you know 30 design students I can't be implementing on what I believe believe is a good design style everyone is unique that's what would make a good designer unique mm. not creating 30 copies of myself <laughs> so not imparting my own values and beliefs and what i think quote unquote looks good or follow mm. these designers it's more telling them this is what i believe but formulate your own design style and think on your own not just saying this is what the tutor said this is what he thinks is right question what i've actually said is it does it actually align with what they need does it actually um work with the context of what they're thinking and some it, it, it's uncomfortable especially for first years and i see that in their face because it's 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 not what they're used to but as they go on they realize that that's actually bringing out their own design personality and own brand and mm. own personality and because of that they're going to be stronger in what they're what mm. they're going to do so it is a part less traveled but but in the end they get to a beautiful destination and um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you was actually in having to facilitate this STEM Institute with, with all these technology that's around you, with VR coming into play in education and playing a big part, AR coming into it, um, AI is actually making a few uh, huge difference. I actually recently read a PwC report on what AI will be doing to the future of work. And their predictions by 20, I believe 2035 is to replace almost 44% of the blue collar work industry. That's huge. Mm. So what happens to students who are in primary school now? They're the ones who are going to be entering that workforce. Um, How do you as a teacher stay ahead of the rapid technology change? It's not easy, especially being the from the older side rather than <laughs> being a younger educator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's um, how do I keep abreast? I think I consciously train myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want to be a step ahead of them. So you're constantly learning. Yes, I'm constantly learning. I'm reading. I'm going to conferences. I. I, you know, do tutorials, I've joined master classes. I mean, yeah. I, I just tried and the best best the best people I learn from are my kids. There you go. My own children and the students here. Yeah. This is what I say to them in the beginning. I'll just stand in front of the class and I said, I may know a little bit more than you, but you know a lot. Yeah. You need to come and teach me. You know, like if you find anything new, please come and show me. Yeah. Let's learn. I'm happy to learn from you, you know. That really, one, it just breaks the ice. It mm-hmm. just brings them, oh, Mr. Singh doesn't know everything. It's such a good thing for them. It makes you more approachable yeah. as well. It makes you <laughs> yes. human. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just makes, I think, I, I just feel like this balloon has kind of rested on the table. <laughs> and it's like, okay, right. So now, and now they come in, show me. Today we talked about two different technologies that the kids, Mr. Singh, did you hear about this? This is my conversation every time people enter. The, Mr. Singh, did you hear about this? So they, they take me, you know, what you I think for teachers it's very important what you say to the te- to the students mm-hmm. you must mean it mm-hmm. so when you've said something and the students act on it then you shouldn't be annoyed about it or ignore it or think that I don't have time for this I have to teach my curriculum or I have to teach my content you know I think you have to make time for those things yeah. if I've said to the students come and show me come and teach me show me if you find anything new then if they do bring it I need to stop and listen and see what and you're they are. there with yes, them yeah. yeah I think that's that's very crucial and I think that goes back to creating a safe space as well. Yes, yeah. very much. And I think that's what makes it some of the crazy things these kids say. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think keeping abreast, I read, I, you know, I 
subscribe to all these uh, magazines and I do a lot of reading and in my role as the head of e-learning mm-hmm. I also train my staff and I also pass down all these readings and material to the teachers in different areas for you know uh, uh, relevant to their area yeah. and I think it's important to keep ourselves as educators uh, and especially in my field, in the field of technology, it's very competitive. Uh, they are young people, uh, young educators. Mm-hmm. I love working with them and I love giving them the space to really shine in that area. Yeah. So even uh, students and younger teachers, they are very good. They've got amazing ideas. Uh, so I, I, I don't like using the word use them, but I really want to shine them out and uh, help them to reach out to the students as well yeah. and teach the students these different technologies. But going back to your, you know, like your PD and stuff, recently I was in um, at The Hague in uh, Amsterdam mm-hmm. and I went to this uh, IB Leadership Series uh, workshop and it was on culture. How do we address culture in our school? So mine is not a... Culture in a classroom scale or is culture as a whole school? Culture in a whole school, culture culture amongst the staff, culture... It's every... It's it's about the different cultures that we have in our our schools. Mm -hmm. In Australia, it's a very beautiful country. It's a very blessed country, I think. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I've been very blessed coming to this country. Yeah. And... um, uh, you go into any classroom, you see such a mixed group of students, you know. Mm-hmm. How do we address those, you know, those cultural differences in our classroom? This, this was an amazing, uh, you know, amazing workshop that I attended. So, yes, I do keep abreast uh, reading, attending workshops, um, um, yeah, doing all these different types of PDs and learning from these young ones. I think the difference there is you're actually going, when you're, when you're looking at your learning, you're doing it as a part of your learning as a human being, not necessarily thinking this is just something that I need to do for my job. Mm. It's part of you've taken ownership because it's yeah. your passion and bringing your vision alive. And um, you're not just looking at PD or training or learning about things that are directly related to just the syllabus or the subject content. You're looking at everything about how do you improve the classroom, like the culture mm-hmm. example. How does the open space collaboration works or anything else? Is that right? Like, is that why you Correct. go at every every yes. different direction? It's very important, I think, for us as educators not to have this tunnel vision. Yep. You know, you need to think outside the box. You need to address the the real needs that are in our in our classrooms because our classroom my my area is technology, but because I think I am uh, you know I have this vision um, more than others maybe because as a head of e learning I work with every subject area in the school yeah you know in the college so it's primary teachers secondary teachers uh, humanities science you know mm-hmm. chemistry biology physics math teachers so I'm working with every in in, in every department yeah in, in every area music. All their needs are so different. Yeah. And we are f- focusing on their learning, the learning of the students. It's not only the students who have, which I mentioned before in terms of cultures, it's mm-hmm. not only the students that are of different of cultures. We have our staff yeah. who, are of di- who come from different cultures, whose first language is not even English. You know, so you have to really broaden yourself in that area. Yeah. And it's not only that, even like, for instance, design thinking. Mm-hmm. It's not only to do with technologies. Yep. You know, you look at uh, numeracy and literacy. Mm-hmm. You're looking at broader than one particular subject area. Just being mindful, you know, like being uh, healthy, uh, healthy human beings ourselves as educators. Yeah. Uh, exercise, you know, and all this. Reading. Not just reading for, uh, you know, for our profession, but just light reading. What sort of light? For entertainment, just, yes, for anything. exactly. Yeah. Games they play. You know, I, I, I uh, push these things to my staff. You know, like, I think it's important to have this balance. And I'll tell you where I think I've learned more of that than anything. Remember, I've been working in the advanced placement with the American, yeah. IGCSE, the IB. IB is very holistic, and that's what mm-hmm. it has taught me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to, you, you, you train a child to be holistic, mm-hmm. you yourself as an educator become so holistic, and you start thinking in that way. Yeah. So everything is international-mindedness, you know, it's all global. Mm-hmm. So I, I still connect and work with schools all over the world. Yeah. 
I've been setting up schools in uh, Nepal. I'm on my way to Myanmar. We've just opened up our IT center in uh, in Myanmar. So I work with the education department. I'm writing curriculum, but I'm working with these less fortunate mm-hmm. uh, individuals, you know, back. young people, giving back yeah. because we are so blessed here. Yeah, that's yes. impressive. That's impressive. One of the things. This is a bit of a tangent, actually, but it triggered my mind when you uh, when you were mentioning the culture in each group and when you're looking at all the co- different student cultures and staff cultures. One of the things that I do in my classes in the very first instance is try to read the personality of every single student. Wow. There's 25 odd students looking at you, wow. and every single person is unique. Every single person is different, and they all have different upbringings and values and personalities. And the reason I'm actually doing that is to understand my approach on how I can best connect with them. Because mm. if I can connect with them, then I can teach better. Mm. And and the knowledge transfer becomes smoother. But one of the things that I try to implement is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes. but at a classroom level. Mm. And understand and empathize with the student, whether they, if they're going through the basic level needs and there's something wrong at home, um, doesn't matter if they're grade seven student um, or a high achieving student, if they don't have the basic needs met, they're not even thinking about grades or how to perform in school. Their life is falling apart. It could be. Um, But as an educator, understanding that and being able to sympathize with them so that and creating achievable targets rather than telling them going, oh, well, your GPA is dropped now compared Mm -hmm. to what you used to do and then helping them work that up. So little instances like that, I try to do that with 25 odd different people. Do you think there's any um, value on doing that at an individual level in terms of a knowledge transfer? Yes, I think it's very important. Uh, It it hits them where the need is. You know, it's important for us Every one plan doesn't fit, one size doesn't fit everybody. Yeah, you know, 100%. Yes, and and that is where we have this differentiation, uh, you know, in our classrooms. Yeah. We, we do that. We have uh, staff that help us design our, uh, design our uh, lessons mm-hmm. uh, to help the students that uh, will help the varied uh, students that we have in our classrooms. Yeah. Um, it's important to know your ch- your children in the classrooms that you are teaching in. Know more than just the academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very important. So we have uh, our, our system um, on our network. We have information on every child. And uh, teachers can go and have a look mm-hmm. and prepare themselves. Understand so their context. Exactly. The context yeah. is so important. Read the notes that are there. So we are encouraged. Yeah. We have a very good leadership in our school that mm-hmm. uh, has got all these systems in place. Our pastoral care is fantastic, led by our deputy principal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just amazing in the way. One of the things about this school, which I really like, is it's not very huge. Mm-hmm. And the way there's so much care for the students in this school is just fantastic. Yeah. It's not just academic oriented. Yes, academics is great. But that's the result of it. You yes. end up you end up actually high yes. per- becoming and creating high performing students yes. because it's, of that. It's the well being of our children which is so important. And you hit the nail on the head. It's finding out their comfort levels. Yeah. You know, and like I said, culture is such a big thing we don't think of it, but it does one kid, let's say a, a non-English speaking kid comes mm-hmm. to school. At home, they're all speaking this language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They step into the school environment, everything is in English. Yeah. They go back. The minute they enter the house, it's back into that language. Yeah. Can you imagine what's going on in the head of this of these uh, Very children? You yeah. know, it's this is what they talk about. This is what they eat. This is what happens at home. But when they come here, this is totally different yeah. environment for yeah. them. Yeah. And therefore... We as educators need to be mindful of that as well. I'm actually going to share a little story. This is about my life when we first moved to Australia, actually. Not many people know about this. So even though I'm in Brisbane now, uh, we, my family moved to Melbourne and um, they, uh, went into grade six. And there was a language barrier. So in Sri Lanka, we speak in Sinhalese and the school is 100% Sinhalese. Mm. There's an English class, but that's it. And when we come here, even though I had the confidence in the language, everyday classroom setting is 100% in English. And I remember failing almost every single math quiz because 
of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. The tutor would, uh, the teacher would read out something, and we're supposed to write the answers. And I believe they actually had an interview with my parents to talk to them about how much I'm struggling because quiz after quiz, it's Love low it. marks. <laughs> And they were concerned going, this might be too much for him. I think he needs to go to a remedial class or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what they told him. But um, an example I remember distinctly, and I have the image in my head right now. The teacher asked, um, the question was 43 divided by 7. What's the remainder, right? And I'm looking around thinking, what the heck is a remainder? (laughs) There's no one who's taught me that word before. It's completely brand new. So it was a complete... Shot, uh, sh- uh, you know, uh, shot, shot in the dark, and I would just write something like zero or <laughs> X or something, just hoping it would be right. And obviously, I'm nowhere near the ballpark, but then it was because of the language barrier. But then there was no understanding from the teacher's point of view that this was what was going on. Mm. Whereas when I moved into Brisbane, the first thing that they actually did was go through and understanding my context yes. and understand my language skills and measure mm. IQ through a different capacity, not just a standardized test. And then they realized, no, actually, he'll be fine here. Mm. Give him some English support so it'll bridge that gap. That was only about a month back into the full swing of things. So it's that little thing. But what would have happened if I had continued on that part? Most likely would have gone into a (laughs) remedial. I probably wouldn't be interviewing you. Yeah. (laughs) That's actually something a lot of people don't know. You just told them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but no, you, you're right, Rashan. It's it's important to look, see the context of not everyone as a whole, but every child yeah. on its on their own. Yeah. You know, when I say child, I'm talking about these grade 11s and 12s yeah, as well. Of it's not just the you know the primary school kids or the little middle school, but also every child. I think it's important to see where they're coming from, what's happening, being aware of it. We don't have to know all the details, but mm-hmm. what is making them tick. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things that I believe is, as an educator, it doesn't matter about the subject content, we need to have an understanding of biochemistry and mm-hmm. our self-awareness of our mindset and how things work. Because if we're more self-aware, yeah. then we can recognize that in our student and understand what's going on. Sometimes the student's lethargy is actually because they're not drinking enough water properly. Playing just, games on their computer. Uh, yeah, something like that. So telling them going, okay, maybe try that, you know, have a glass of water, see how you feel, by the way. And then all of a sudden, they mm. all these things start to fall into place. Just a quick example, but mm. yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the things I do want to ask is, do you? what's your vision long-term for education and how do you see the future of education in Australia? I know that's a tough question. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's, you put me on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> I think the vision. Hmm. I think, especially with the experiences that I've had, and uh, two of the countries that I've taught in is Hong Kong and, and South Korea. Mm-hmm. And I've taught in Hong Kong, I taught in the advanced placement, which is the American curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then I, in, in South Korea, I taught the International Baccalaureate, the IB, mm-hmm. which I have been, you know, I'm an examiner and a moderator for that as well. Mm-hmm. What that has shown me is when I stepped back, came back into Australia, I saw quite a few gaps. This is just solely in the academics, in the curriculum. And I think Australia is taking a good step in terms of looking at the needs. Uh, you know, the, for instance, in uh, in you know, in Queensland now we have the new uh, new QC QCAA curriculum that mm-hmm. we've got the new senior curriculum. Yeah, uh, they are addressing that. I think um, as you look around, you find that there are um, the way students think. I find that what we had and what we are now doing mm-hmm. is bridging that gap, yep. you know, the, is addressing the needs of tomorrow because the kids that we have now will be in future mm-hmm. doing the jobs we still, we still don't have. Yeah. And, and in order to do that, our, our curriculum needs to address the gaps that we already have and I think we're going in the right path in, in, in what the Australian curriculum is doing. Yeah. Give you an example. For instance, my area, digital technology, is computer science. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been teaching in these countries, you know, heading uh, departments in this area. Mm-hmm. When I came in here, what I saw 
I did not like. Mm-hmm. I felt that they were, uh, you know, especially, for instance, in the knowledge and understanding area. Many a times I found here it's project-based, project-based, project-based. Mm-hmm. Yes, project-based is amazing. I support it, full, you know, fully support it. However, you need to have that underpinning knowledge. You need to have the knowledge and understanding. Mm-hmm. So what I did when I came here, before these curriculum changes, as soon when I arrived here, the, the changes were happening. Uh, I, I was a um, senior project officer at the Department of Education mm-hmm. in the uh, uh, digital technologies curriculum. Mm-hmm. So when I joined St. John's, which was after that, mm-hmm. looking at this Gap. I found students did not know. They were very good at using the technology. Mm-hmm. But when it came to designing or looking at how the technology works, they had no clue. Actually thinking behind it. Yes, yeah. the thinking behind They had no idea whatsoever. They know how they press the buttons, it does things. <laughs> Yet when you go to the back end, they had no idea. So what I did was I, I have a friend in the Digital Technologies Institute. Mm-hmm. He owns it. He's a CEO of it. So uh, he's a German, Dr. Carsten Schulz, and he produces the Blueberry 4, the B4. Mm-hmm. So it's B4 is a unit that teaches um, uh, logic, mm-hmm. binary to denary, denary to binary. So it teaches how the internal system of a computer works. Brilliant. So I brought that in for the grade 8. So I changed the whole curriculum, put it in the grade 8s mm-hmm. for them to learn how this works. So they learned what the control unit was. You know, they learned the programming aspects of it. And you should come and visit one of my grade 8 classes. There's a teacher who teaches that class. Mm-hmm. I worked with uh, Dr. Schultz. We did the trial version. We did a handbook for the students. He, he's written everything. We trialed it. We uh, gave him feedback. He fixed it. Now he's got it all going. In. We're the first school that has got class sets we're using in our classes. But wow. the grade eights are learning what the back end. So they, they, it culminates in a project. They do all these units. Then it culminates in a, it's very practical. We've got these kits we've bought, which are not very cheap, but they're very, very good. Mm-hmm. Then they do this, uh, do these experiments. Then they come to the project. So we go to the IBM IP design. They design a machine that will add. So we give them how many numbers we want them to add. So they design yep. using this kit. Perfect. That, but it comes. You you know just watching them getting it is just fantastic. So the knowledge and understanding gap is being breached. Now these kids will go if they can go into the engineering field, mm-hmm. but they it's that. Um, Firstly, it's the fact that they're going to recognize there is a back end to something, yes. back end to everything. <laughs> yes. And just, uh, I think, uh, wetting the, you know, it's just wetting their appetite. Yeah. So as they go forward, I think putting that love for them to look at what the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the internal systems of these technologies, how they work, yeah. you know, creating apps, looking at... Um, building things that use technology. I mean, Arduinos, we've been programming Arduinos and Raspberry Pis. Mm-hmm. These students are, these kids, are, you know, one student. So we make it very practical. So I just said, okay, this is what you have. So as an IB MIP unit, and I said, okay, uh, you you go and uh, um, solve a problem for somebody you know, a family member. So this particular student in grade nine, he was in grade nine or grade 10, he decided he's going to make a um, an alert system for his uh, grandfather. His grandfather owns thousands and thousands and acres of uh, land, mm. and they have uh, uh, cattle farms, right? So, however, they have pests on their farm, <laughs> and these pests they get they have this trap, and it goes inside, gets caught, and then it rots in there and smells. Mm. The farmer is not able to go to every every uh, trap and check because the land is so big. Mm. So every once in a week or two weeks or something, I don't know what time he goes, but he says it's such a nuisance. So what the student student designed, he used the Arduino. Mm-hmm. He programmed so an alert system. 
So when a uh, fox, it was a fox trap. Mm -hmm. So when a fox entered the trap, mm -hmm. it triggered this message on the on the app. That's great. Yes, and that would alert the farmer. So he had a GPS. He had a map of yep. all the traps in the farm. Yeah. So it would alert the farmer, his grandfather, mm -hmm. that hey, this trap in this place has got a fox that yep. needs to be gotten rid of. So did you end up giving? How do you, how did he identify that problem? Did you set constraints and he went and found his own problem to solve? Yes, we we do give a little bit of structure, mm -hmm. uh, like for instance, okay, he not much though. Mm -hmm. I I kept it very flexible. While yeah. he did this, yeah. use the Arduino. So I would say, okay, use an Arduino, use this, use this, you know, whatever. The tools. The, yeah. Yes, you'll give the uh, resources. You'll say these are the resources. Mm -hmm. That's the constraint you'd have. Yeah. However, what the, you know what they come up with is their idea. Nothing. I don't even. Perfect. I don't even go in it. They have to see these. There was another group. Same thing. They used an Arduino. They did two things. They 3D printed. See the one with the fox trap was one. They had this Arduino sitting in the box. So every every trap would have an Arduino, which is mm -hmm. you know programmed, and they had that. Um, with the app. So they did an app and the Arduino was programmed, right? So there was two mm. things. This Another group of kids, we had this law about this uh, si uh, si uh, bicycle, mm -hmm. bicycle cycle, you know, the okay. cycling clubs. Yeah. The si the, what do you call these people that cycle on the road, right? Yeah, cyclists. Bi yeah, cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they're cycling down the road. So the distance that they can be away from a car is 1.5 meters, mm -hmm. right? So this, this is their ideas. I'm just sharing this with you. Yep. So their idea was, okay, Miss, what we're going to do is we're going to put this, we're going to program this Arduino and they're going to put it on the on the bike. Mm -hmm. So every time a any vehicle comes less than 1.5 meters, it comes within the 1.5 meters from the bike while mm -hmm. the, you know, the person is cycling, mm. it's going to do this loud noise alert and the LED lights are going to go on on the bike, which will the driver can see. Yeah. And an alert for the biker yeah, as well. and the so, rider, yeah, yes. Yeah. It makes them feel safer. Yes, so yeah. this is the kinds of things that I'm talking about. Is like, well, look at the box, you know, like you have these 3D printed boxes, like cables on the floor. Yeah. So we're looking at practical solutions that the students in grade 7, 8, 9 are coming up with now. You just give them the resources, the tools. Yes, you do the knowledge and understanding part. Very important. You must cover that. Mm -hmm. Then you let them go yep. and say, okay, this is it. You you go and make your, come up with it, discuss it with me, and then I'll approve it, and then you can go ahead. They yep. do budget. They do, you know, um, is it feasible, presentation, everything. They do all those processes. So they do a design cycle where they research. So they do analyze. Their design thinking. Yes, and then they do designing, and <laughs> yep. then they create yep. it, and then they evaluate it, and yep. then the cycle goes back in again. That's brilliant. So the, but they do the process. It's very formal. They have to test it, and yep. I make them test and refine three times. So test it, refine, test, refine, test, refine. Yeah. Your last refinement, the third refinement is your final product. Yeah. You know, it's it's something mm -hmm. that we make them do, and then they evaluate it. It's just mimicking what they would do in a real real world. It is. But they do it in a smaller scale. It may be smaller, but now I'm letting them do projects that they uh, you know that they want to like another child another two girls two girls I'm very proud of these girls because mm. there's so few girls in my uh, higher classes mm -hmm. they're very scared they're very they feel it's very nerdy they don't do it it, it really that, that's what they tell me when I ask them mm. but uh, these two girls made an app so they created an app to um, detect anxiety, so well, wow. or when they get agitated, mm -hmm. so because detecting anxiety can be very difficult. So what they do is, when a child gets in, uh, it's a primary school or a middle school here. So if a child here in school gets agitated in class, mm -hmm. they'll have this band on their a wristband, yeah. and the and the and the it will alert. The sensor will alert when they get agitated, and on their phone it'll tell them do this step one, step two, step three. <laughs> Right, so they uh, 3D printed the armband <laughs> sitting somewhere, <laughs> and then they embedded the chip, you know, they embedded the thing, and they they uh, program they actually created the app. They're going to be the future generations yes. of leaders who are going to be the future Mark Zuckerbergs. Yes. You're literally creating a room full of Mark yes. Zuckerbergs. I feel yes. like, <laughs> and I think it's it's uh, all of us can do it. It, 
I mean, creating an app, you need a computer, you need code. That's all, you know, like you yep. need, yep. it doesn't, you don't need to have an expensive robot like the Neo robot I have. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The Neo robot is another thing. I really love it because I'm <laughs> teaching them, uh, you know, teaching them coding, uh, programming. But at the same time, the lesson I had, one of the lessons I had with them was right in the beginning when I started, this is in nine, grade nine and 10. Mm. And um, I said, I, I was, I just laughed when the, what they came up with, but it was so real and so practical. So I taught them movement and I taught them sound, like how to program the sound, how to program movement on the Neo robot. So then I said to them, okay, now go, this was just an activity, it wasn't a project, it was just go and program the Neo to have sound and movement. So your code should have, your robot should have some sort of sound and some sort of movement. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I gave them 20 minutes, and then next lesson, we had a look, and this particular child programmed the nail to, um, it was so hilarious. You've got the nail in front, he runs his code. One of the things we do use, which I find very good, uh, very uh, effective in class, is using our smart TVs, mm-hmm. and I, I let my students, because it's so important in my subject area, I let them use their phones, mm-hmm. I let them use their iPads, mm-hmm. uh, anything, any d- technology, we do have rules in class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come in, if they want to use it, they have to raise their hand and they have to say, Mr. Singh, I'd like to use this. Mm-hmm. They have to tell me what they're going to use it for, and I let them use it. So after that, they're free to use it. Mm-hmm. I have not had one single child abuse it. So yeah. I think letting them use it for... We need it. Boundaries. We need it in our classroom. We yeah. need it for this subject area. We need apps they are making. You know, they, it's on the phone. Mm. They, they're doing uh, graphics. They have to look at different platforms that they are, uh, you know, publishing this w- website maybe or the graphics, how it looks on a small screen, how it looks on a big screen. Yep. We have to see that. But using the smart TV, and this is why it's so good. I can monitor it so well. Mm-hmm. Students will be sitting. We use the Vivi mm-hmm. and they are able to screen uh, you know, to project their screen on the smart TV. Mm-hmm. So uh, while we're working, and I'll say, okay, so and so, can you please put your screen? Let's see what have you found. Mm. They'll come. They'll they'll have a good music they've heard last night. They'll come and play it, and we'll all listen. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have a little video clip of funny things or something. It doesn't even relate to anything in the class, yeah. but they'll come and play it because we have so much fun in that. So I think having these tools mm-hmm. together with having this safe environment and also a uh, an environment where we both are teaching and learning, yeah. I think is very good. The students are teaching me so much. Yeah. And, I, and I acknowledge that when they teach me, I really, and I then have them teach other teachers mm. as well. So that's really helpful. There you go. And one of the things that I want to um, let our listeners know, because a lot of state schools do struggle with budget restrictions and, mm. and, and different facilities. Um, it you can. I went to a state school and... I still had the same connection with the teacher without these new tool, tools Great. and toys. We literally had a maker space and it was the connection that was more important yes. and, and the fact that he was facilitating my learning. And um, so I want to let the view, uh, listeners know that you don't have to get discouraged just because yes. you don't have the smart TVs. If you don't, that's fine. That's not why the students are loving yes. you. <laughs> that's yes. the important thing. And I think um, if you do have it, then you're in a very blessed school. And you can do more things, which, yes. but it doesn't mean you cannot be a good, good facilitator and, and um, you know, pave that pathway towards innovation. I'm just a little bit mindful of time. And um, I know you were a little bit daunted <laughs> about talking in front of the uh, microphone, but you've done an incredible job. And uh, I just want to thank you for giving up your time. And I can see now, and I think the listeners will agree that this is why you're a leader in innovation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rashan. Thanks for this opportunity and all the best. Thank you. <laughs>